I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. What Drives You is brought to you by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping life and leadership coaches. Visit Ziggler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. Yeah. Welcome to What Drives You. I'm Kevin Miller. You have all the drive you need as much as anyone else, but in each area of your life, you're driven by desire or fear. So let's get you aligned and driven by your authentic desires. So you're driving further, faster, and most of all, enjoying the ride every day. In this episode, I wrap up our series on interdependence and how it supports our overall drive far more than our independence. There is a place for both, but our focus on being independent is just limiting us. So this is my big idea, big takeaway, and big action episode where I pull out the key highlights from the series. My expert for the series is interdependence expert and international trauma facilitator, Thomas Hubel, whose new book is titled Attuned, Practicing Interdependence to Heal Our Trauma and Our World. For those of you watching the video, there's the book. In part three, I also broadened the discussion with a friend and collaborator of Thomas's, William Urey. He's one of the world's best known experts on negotiation. He's co-founder of Harvard's program on negotiation. William's new book is called Possible, How We Survive and Thrive in the Age of Conflict. And we have a series with him coming up uh, shortly, I think just within the next two to three weeks. So here, walk with me as I highlight the big takeaway, the, the big idea, the big takeaway, and the big action from this episode. There's a 1972 film called Jeremiah Johnson. It stars Robert Redford. It's a movie I really like. I've owned it for a lot of years. It was given to me by a good friend, Scott Stearman. But it's a story of a guy who takes up the life of a mountain man, literally out here in the mountains of Colorado. Uh, for those of you watching, I'm in my home studio right now, and I'm sitting at 93, almost 9,300 feet above sea level in uh, the national park looking out at about a foot of snow that I'm going to go start shoveling on here uh, in a minute. But it speaks to my soul. The movie does in multiple ways from the independence of the character, Jeremiah Johnson, to the Rocky Mountain life that I relate to and whatnot. Though in the story, it's, so it's, it's interesting. I mean, the guy goes out into the high mountains to live alone and on his own. 
which he does to a significant degree, which to me, it kind of speaks to, you know, this is the height of the independent, the, the lone wolf, the frontiersman, and even what America was built on conceptually. Though it's interesting in this story, he still has significant relationships with people. One is a guy called Bearclaw who teaches him how to survive as he's failing to in the high Rocky Mountain winters. And they spend a lot of time together, develop a friendship. He benefits from a, a, a rifle that he got off the frozen body of a guy called Hatchet Jack. And he ends up living then building a home and creating a life with an abandoned young boy and a Native American woman. And there are supplies. He travels to towns every once in a while to get that he can't really create nails, things like that. I remember that when I read Little House on the Prairie to my kids. So even at the height of independence, we still need help from others and desire the company of others. Well, today, 2024, uh, I have inherently really thought of myself as independent, prided myself in that, rebelling against the machine of the culture. Well, in all truth, I'm about as dependent upon others as a newborn is. I don't create or gen generate much of anything that I use for my daily existence. I work to earn dollars that I never see. They're transferred from one bank account to another, just digital. And I purchase about 100% of everything that I need. I'm highly dependent. And as I look at it, it feels like independence is somewhat of a myth, Outside of my own, you know, responsibility to motivate myself to get out of bed and engage with life. Nobody's going to pick me up and do that. But for the most part, I, I am in this concept of being, uh, independent. You know, it may speak against being codependent, which I've done that as well. Uh, and this is talking about something different. Uh, it seems something different in part one of this series near the top of the show. All right. I'm with Thomas Hubel and he shares this concept that continues to really haunt my psyche. He referenced the forest that surrounds my home and said that when I walk into it, I'm not entering into and viewing in essence nature. The minute I'm standing within it, I am now part of nature. Okay. That really hit me hard. It sounds pithy. Let me say it again. When I walk into, let's say nature into the forest, I'm not viewing it. I'm not separate from it. I am now part of it. I'm part of nature. I'm part of the forest. And I imagine I had this image. I do have this image of someone taking a, a satellite picture of many acres of the forest with me being out amongst it at the time. And it's not labeled. This is a picture of nature, nature with Kevin Miller standing in it or with a man or a human standing in it. It's a picture of nature. And it includes earth and trees and shrubs and mule deer and elk and mountain lions and flowers and rocks and a human and a pond. I mean, these days, even in remote areas, you are prone to, to find things that are left by humans, right? Trash or an abandoned backpack or an old can. Are these part of nature or are these man-made items that we don't include? Let's, let's say that we don't. Well, regardless, I'm not man-made. I'm an animal. As much as the mule, the, the mule deer and, and the birds or the rac raccoons that are all tromping around, I am natural. I'm a human. I'm an animal. I mean, those things around me, these, the forest, the, uh, the, the, well, let's say the animals, at least let's say the animals, those animals, they're sentient beings as I am. They're made up of blood and bone and have energy within and emanating from them as I do. And us being and having energy, I mean, that's a scientific reality. We have energy. We are electric beings. That's why someone having a heart attack may have a defibrillator used on them to do what? Pump electricity, shock their heart back into rhythm or beating. 
Now, to go beyond that, how our energy affects others, and there's us is a debated topic. I'm not going to attempt to dissect that here, but Thomas's message is of connectivity, and it's resonating with me in new ways and helping me understand the benefit of embracing connectedness in new ways. That I'm not separate, I'm not viewing, I am part of everything. So now I'm thinking as I walk into the grocery store, it's not me and them, me versus them. It's not me and then those shoppers. It's not me and then the grocery store clerk, people that work there. When I walk in, it's by proxy, it's us. I'm now part of it. I'm part of the woods. I'm part of the grocery store. Our energies intermingled. Our stories are now intermingled. That's interesting as you think about those movies where these dissimilar people are somewhere, let's say that a grocery store. And then, you know, some uh, cataclysmic event happens and there's a big flood or uh, the world shuts down or whatever. And they're trapped in there by, you know, with each other and they become what? Like a family. And then the whole movie is about them uh, connecting together. Well, we don't think about it that way because we think we're just going in and out. But if something happened, it would showcase the fact we are together. Our stories are now intermingled. Now, I'm still an introvert. That's not going to change. And I'm sometimes I'm short on time. I'm not looking to engage with everyone or, or maybe anyone. It's more about the spirit of how I'm viewing myself amongst everyone. I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are, and in some places it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier, and Air Doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses so your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee so if you don't love it just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code Kevin and depending on the model you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. 
Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all on Yahoo Finance is an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together. And I was at yahoofinance.com just now. I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they were hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. It's more about the spirit of how I'm viewing myself amongst everyone. Thomas Hubel, he works globally as an international trauma facilitator. He works with people and groups and countries to understand and work through trauma. The primary way he does this is by establishing that we are all connected. Again, it's not this us and them issue. If I help another person, I'm ultimately helping myself. If I hurt another person, I am ultimately hurting myself. It may be the most beneficial and selfish act I ever do to help and serve others because in doing so, I am doing the greatest work to help and serve myself. Now, I, I like you, I, ex- I expect, you know, you feel like you're a good person. You're not actively and consciously hurting people at all. And and you've got a lot of people that testify to how you have helped them, how you serve them, how you're a benefit to them. Me too. But I've still done it with this me and them perspective and a feeling that I'm doing them in the world a favor and not that and everything that I do with and for others is every bit as much or more what I am doing for myself. And if somebody is helping people uh, in my neighborhood or out in the city where I live or across the state or across the globe, it helps me. Them helping others helps me. They think about like the butterfly effect. And when I dissociate from others, from the world around me, I am dissociating from myself. I mean, this is not a switch I can instantly flip, but I feel I'm going to be learning a new language in essence. I mean, I can't control much of the world and I'm not responsible for everybody else's welfare responsible to do my part, but I'm not, I can't take responsibility for other people necessarily, but I am a moving, you know, connected part to everyone. And I wanted to change my attitude, my feeling and my belief. Like when I'm stuck in a traffic jam, when there's a wreck that I'm passing, when there's an Amber alert about a missing kid, when there's war on the other side of the globe and conversely, the positive stuff, when there's jubilation, when someone or someone's having a big win and a celebration, it affects me. It affects the world that I live in. I mean, my neighbors, my city, my state, the nation, the globe, if I have faith that I'm connected to everything and everyone, I will feel and conduct myself differently. 
I will. You notice I say that like past, uh, I mean, future tense, because it's, this is, this is somewhat new to me. And again, to stress the point, this is not just some altruistic endeavor. This is a primary way I'm addressing my own health and wellness and world and prosperity and my feelings. Otherwise, conversely to that, they only go to limit my experience and my benefit. They don't do me any good if they're negative and against and the them out there. Thomas's Thomas Hubel's book. Again, I'll hold it up for you guys watching the video here. His book is called Attuned. And the point is being in tune with ourselves and with others and the world in that order. That doesn't sound like being independent. Again, the aspect of independence that refers to our taking responsibility for ourselves, I'm hip with. That's about where it ends. It doesn't mean we agree with everyone. It doesn't mean that we allow anything from everyone, anyone. It doesn't mean, again, that we're responsible for others beyond the roles that we take, like a spouse, a parent, and a coworker. And even there, that's another show, but I could dissect, you know, what am I responsible for with my children? There are certain things that I'm responsible for. I've taken a lot of responsibility for their behavior and their feelings and things that I can't and shouldn't do. But it is taking on the role of sharing responsibility with everyone and with our world at large about realizing that we share energy together and what affects others affects us and what we let affect us affect others. Man, that one's daunting on me to think about my energy that I'm bringing here into my home that affects my surroundings, that affects my kids. And it does, folks. I mean, just think about that. When somebody walks in to your workplace, to the room that you're in, to your home, whatever, you can feel their mood a mile away. Lynn Twist, the, the renowned humanitarian, said that on a show here with me. She said, our mood precedes us. And I said, you mean your, you mean your attitude? And she says, no, you can have various attitudes, but it's overall your mood, and which I'm going to say is your energy. So, man, everybody can feel it. And of course, I thought, yeah, totally. Most people can do, I mean, unless you're just not paying attention to somebody, but if you look up, pay attention, meet somebody's eyes or watch them, whatever, you can feel their mood. And if you feel it and it affects you, if it's negative, it feels bad. If it's positive, it feels good. Generally, it all affects my drive, which is our muse here, our topic. It affects my drive. It affects how far and how fast I drive. And it drastically affects my enjoyment of the ride each and every day. Last year, I want to give a word to trauma and conflict. So uh, trauma is Thomas Hubel's muse. He's an international resource on dealing with trauma. He's in Israel right now. And conflict is William Urey's muse. Again, he's he was my guest in part three of the series, and he is the uh, he's the focal point or the expert for an upcoming series that's going to be here on the show uh, in the next few weeks. But trauma and conflict, man, they have a great overlap. And they're usually what comes between us and others and our worlds, or even us ourselves and everything comes between us and us, us and ourselves, if you, if you will. The us and them or the us versus them perception is more and more pervasive every day as it's more and more publicized and communicated in the media. We can't hide from being exposed to it. If you take captive Every and any negative thought and feeling you have towards others or even to institutions at the root of it is some unresolved trauma. And in everyone has traumas at various levels. The resolved trauma makes us stronger and wiser, more at peace, more joy, more fulfillment, more connected, more attuned, more interdependent. 
the unresolved traumas that we have cause us pain and cause us ultimately conflict. So let's look at the conflict in our lives. Look to the negative feelings and the bitterness and the anxiety and get to the root of it without assigning blame to anyone or anything. Put it in the reference of this happened and I feel fill in the blank. I feel this because what? That's the big one. I feel this. Why? I feel this. Why this happened? I feel this. Why? Because why? Brene Brown talk about her all the time. Never had her on the show. Her book, Atlas of the Heart, is on the bookshelf up above me in the back with the red spine right over there. And it talks about 87 emotions. In her research, they uncover 87 emotions. Angry is one, but you can go deeper with that. That's a baseline one. You can go deeper with that and a place to start to say why. And watch out for the propensity to say, well, I'm angry because so-and-so did this. Because what? They suck. Because what they did is wrong. Don't judge. Don't evaluate. Observe. Said somebody else, not me. I'm the messenger. What bothers you about it deep down? And realize that often the things that happen to upset you and me, they maybe would have been a joy to someone else. This is why Thomas gives so much focus to perception. Most of life, and I venture to say, or I'm going to exaggerate the point, say 99% of life, if not more, is not fact It's just our perception, which is valid. It's not to minimize it. And everyone else's differing perception is valid as well. It's not right or wrong. It's not true or false. It's just valid. Now, granted, somebody can do something. We're talking about their perception, not what they do. If something happens and they lash out in anger and hurt somebody, uh, I'm going to say that's not a good thing. We're not going to allow that. But their perception that caused them pain is valid. It may be unhealthy. It may be broken but it is valid. And I'm saying that and I'm stressing that I have not done that well in my life. This is why I do these shows. I am on this journey with everybody. We're all, this is the human journey. I don't think anyone has arrived. There are people at different levels. And when I'm with Thomas Hubel, I can feel his energy. I can feel his peace. It's not perfect though. He hasn't arrived. He's not done. Thomas Hubel, I can feel his energy. I can feel his peace. It's not perfect though. He hasn't arrived. He's not done. But Thomas goes on to talk about each of us having a relational, talk about perspective, a relational field, which he defines as a filter through which we transmit and receive experiences, hopes, fears, and dreams within the collective. Read that again. We have a relational field. Think about it as a perception, uh, a perception, a filter that everything comes through. Glasses, if you will. We each have one. It's individual. It's unique, just like our fingertips or our, or our fingerprints. And it's through this filter that we transmit, that we send out anything from us, and that we receive anything from us. So our experiences, what we perceive from something that happens, that we view, that we hear, that we experience. Again, our hopes, our fears, our dreams. Uh, that affect the collective out there. It's through our own relational field that we need to we need to work to understand and then own that it's not fact. It's our relational field. We may be okay with it. We may want to alter it. Most of us are on a continual journey to continue to evolve it, mature it. Ultimately, the world we know is simply the world we have perceived thus far. Man, that's such a big statement. The world that I know is not fact. It's just what I have perceived thus far. 
Every day we have the chance to change and expose ourselves to other things that can broaden our horizons, change our filter, give us more health, help us be driven by desire, not fear, by health, not unhealth, by wholeness, not brokenness. Let's say that your company got bought and you got let go. The rugs pulled out from under you. You're devastated. You don't know how you're going to pay the mortgage next month. You're already in debt. Well, someone else is in just as bad of dire straits financially. However, they woke up the next morning, honestly feeling a little relieved as they were so burnt out. They were so dissatisfied. They know this needed to happen. It was, it was toxic to them. Uh, the same position you may have had and enjoyed. Again, it's perception. So the thing, the getting, letting go, that's not necessarily the problem or the issue for them. It may be a good thing. It feels good. To you, it feels bad. It's a feeling. It's a perception. It's a relational field, as Thomas would say. It's how you feel about it. It's your trauma or not, lack thereof. That's what we're looking to own and take responsibility for and work on to own our trauma and understand somebody else's possible trauma. I mean, even the worst uh, victimization and tragedy and violation, the same thing can happen to 10 people of the same means. And some will have post-traumatic stress. Some will have post-traumatic growth. Doesn't mean one's weaker or stronger than the other necessarily. That has to do with, again, their, you know, their past and their propensities, whatnot. And it doesn't minimize their pain at all, but it does offer the opportunity to not be overcome and permanent, permanently handicapped by it. Cause we want to state what happened. This is what happened. This is why, uh, what justifies how I feel. And that's where we get into, uh, into unhealth. You say, this is what happened. This is how I feel. And I, I got to take responsibility for that. I do want to be candid in that I say that this is a, a truth that I believe from hearing from people who have endured the worst of atrocities. I've had a lot of them on my show, the worst of atrocities. I have not experienced the worst of atrocities. Just like a surgeon, a heart surgeon, doesn't mean that they have had surgery done on their heart, but they learned about it. So I'm learning about this stuff. Doesn't mean I've experienced. I want to be honest about that. But no matter the depth of trauma, it can dramatically limit us if we don't cope with it and ultimately resolve it. I'm going to end on what our rights are, our rights. This is again from Thomas Hubel. We in the world, and it feels to me specifically in the US, are significantly interested in our rights. And, and I'll say I seldom found people who give lots of focus to or who are really emotionally wrapped up in their rights. I've seldom found them to be joyful people, to be peaceful people, to be really helping others. When you feel you're owed something or entitled to something and you're a victim, it generally speaks to a trauma, a lack, and you are being driven by fear. Again, that speaks to my statement that we are all fully driven. We all have all the drive we need as much as anyone else, but we can be driven by desire and faith or by fear. So fighting for rights. Now, fighting for rights is benign. If you see an injustice and you fight for that, that's fine. It's what driving you or what is driving you that matters. If you're driven by fear, you're tearing yourself and others down. So Thomas, who for context lives in Israel, again, is in the midst of all the tragedies occurring there right now. He, and, and being a res, he's a resource for that. He is an evangelist of our, when it comes to rights, these are the rights that he speaks to, the rights of being, the rights of becoming, 
the rights of belonging. Let me say it again. The right of being, that this is the right that I have. I have the right to be. I have the right to become. I have the right to belong. Being, being, the right of being, being whole and healthy and self-aware. The right of becoming, becoming more whole and healthy and self-aware and aware of our connectedness to others, which ultimately enables and helps us belong. It's the thing that we as humans and even animals, that's what we most desire at the end of the day is to belong. When we feel satisfied and fulfilled in that, we will be primarily enjoying the ride every day, which is a big focus of this show. So here is to you and I belonging together, interdependent. All right. This concludes for now this series, at least on interdependence. The conversation will not end here. And if you want more on that, want to dig in more, I invite you, you're going to be hearing a lot more about this in the coming days to join us at the Drive Tribe. It's a membership. It's an online membership. There's lots out there. This one is focused on drive and specifically about what drives us and what drives others to us, our influence. But we take, we do a lot of things in there. You can read about that, but we take these concepts, these shows, these episodes and talk further. So you can check it out. Go to kevinmiller.co. You'll see a link about community and you can go read about it there. Special thanks, of course, to Thomas Hubel. He was the muse for this. Here's his book again, Attuned, Practicing Interdependence to Heal Our Trauma and Our World. You can also find him at thomashubel.com. And then also thank you to William Urey. His book is Possible, How We Survive and Thrive in an Age of Conflict. As you hear this, if you hear this right when it comes out, it is uh, available for pre-order. We have a show coming up with him in about two or three weeks or a series coming up. And so you'll hear more about William Uri, but thank you to him as well. If you appreciate the podcast, get a benefit. We would, uh, I would be grateful for your thanks by giving us a rating in Spotify and a rating and a review in Apple. You can go to YouTube or social media. Find me at kevinmiller.co on YouTube. More and more continue to watch these shows and leave comments that I get to respond to, which is really great. Uh, social media, we do a lot of clips, kind of key clips from these shows. So kevinmiller.co. And if you want to learn how to master your own inner drive further, dig into it for real. Get my book, What Drives You, on Amazon in any form that you like. Until next time, folks, stay driven. Yeah.